reasons to explore Shetland, either on holiday or as a local, is the incredible archaeology. The islands are blessed with ancient remains. The quality of them is high enough to rival those anywhere else. My name is John, I'm an archaeologist by trade and I run a company called Adventure Shetland, which provides guided tours, walks and hikes around Shetland, with a focus on archaeology, scenery and getting off the beaten path to explore the very best that Shetland has to offer. This is Adventure Shetland the podcast, and here are 10 must-see Shetland archaeological sites. Just a quick sidebar, the main body of this podcast is recorded on location in Unst, so the sound quality might not be perfect, but it's plenty good enough. Anyway, here we go. Number 10, we have the Score de Brewster. Uh, the Score de Brewster was a Neolithic farming community on the west side of the Shetland mainland, uh, quite close to the village of Wise. The farm was in use for about 1500 years, from 3000 BC to roughly 1500 BC. And at first, the landscape here was uh, a woodland of willow, birch, and hazel, which is quite hard to imagine nowadays having a look around. The first buildings here were made of wood. Uh, none of which remain today, but we do have the remnants of three stone houses with various outbuildings and field boundaries associated with them. The site was abandoned about 1500 BC as a wetter climate caused peat to kind of envelop the fields and it forced the farmers out and no one has cultivated the land here since. We're moving forward in time for number nine and heading over to the island of Bressa. Bronze Age Bressa is a reconstructed burnt mound which was excavated at Crewster and rebuilt stone by stone, uh, partly by myself actually, um, about a kilometre along the coast next to the Bressa Heritage Centre in 2008. This was done to protect the original uh, burnt mound from coastal erosion. The function of burnt mounds remains something of a mystery, although we know hot stones were being used to heat water in stone tanks and the burnt stones were then discarded around the tank which is what creates the mound. Various suggestions have been made as to the use of these structures, including cooking, leather tanning and bathing. Um, to help determine this, the Bressa Burnt Mound also has a replica version beside it, um, beside the original monument, for experimentation purposes. The Bressa Burnt Mound is very unusual in that it had permanent structures alongside it. Uh, this is very rare with only a few examples in Shetland, one in Orkney and one in the Western Isles having associated buildings like this. All in all, it's a very worthy inclusion on our list. At number eight, we're returning back to the west side again, but this time we're exploring the wonderful Colswick Broch. Perched on a hilltop above the loch and accessed by crossing a causeway, the Broch commands views over Shetland's Atlantic seaboard from Fitful Head in the south to Fula in the far west and across the Easter Sound to the Isle of Vela. The Broch here has never been excavated, but we know these round towers are about 2,000 years old and had a double-walled construction, which contained uh, small rooms or cells kind of between the two walls, as well as a staircase to upper floors or galleries. Here we can see part of the supporting ledge for these upper floors, and we know from the amount of collapsed rubble, as well as drawings from the 18th and 19th centuries, that the Broch was substantially taller than the 3 to 4 metres to which it survives today. Externally, the Colswick Broch has a substantial outer wall and above the tower's single entrance, it has a massive triangular lintel stone, similar to that at Dundornigal in Sutherland 
and Old Skatness, but we'll have uh, we'll hear more about that later. Colswick is also one of my favourite camping spots, and it simply had to make the list. Scalloway Castle in Shetland's ancient capital comes into our list at number seven. The castle was built in 1600 by Patrick Stewart, the second Earl of Orkney and Shetland, and it was his seat of power during a short spell as the kind of proxy ruler of Shetland. Earl Patrick was a tyrant. He stole land and feuded with the local lairds. The castle was built using unpaid labour uh, summoned from around Shetland to do the Earl's bidding. The four-storey castle was completed around 1607 and served as the Earl and his representative's residence in the Isles, as well as a meeting place for the Thing or the local parliament of Shetland. The ground level has vaulted ceilings and is home to the kitchens, stores and a dungeon with the Great Hall on the first floor. And spiral staircases led off from this to the upper chambers. By 1609, the Shetland Lairds had had enough of Earl Patrick and complained to the King about his misrule. The Earl was at first imprisoned in Edinburgh Castle before he was executed in 1615 after encouraging his son to rebel against the King and seize the Earldom. By the 18th century, the castle had fallen into disrepair and some of the ornamental stonework was removed. The ruins were placed into state care in 1908 and it's now operated by Historic Scotland. Uh, the key is available from the next door Scalloway Museum, which is well worth a visit in itself. We're going to the far north for number six now, Viking Unst. Unst is Shetland's most northerly island and is home to the highest number of rural Viking longhouses in the world. I could easily make a full-length video about this, so uh, if that's something you'd like to see, then uh, please let me know in the comments. Between 2006 and 2008, three Viking longhouses were excavated in Unst, at Belmont in the south of the island, Underhull in the west, and at Hammer in the east. Based on the findings of these excavations, a replica longhouse has been built alongside a replica longship, which stopped off in Shetland on a voyage from Sweden to America and it never actually left again. In addition, there's further longhouses uh, also at Underhull and the Easton, as well as Norse chapels and graves at Framgård and Lund. Taken as a collective then, Viking Unst is well worth its spot on this list. Coming in at number five, we have the Stanydale Temple. Stanydale Temple was at the centre of a Neolithic farming community dating from around 3000 to 2000 BC. In addition to the temple, there are the ruins of several houses, field systems and some standing stones. The temple building is shaped like the heel of a boot with a flat front wall containing a single entrance and a curved wall forming the back and sides. It's similar in shape to temples in Malta of the same age Hence the interpretation here, although its actual function remains unknown. What is known is that it took an awful lot of effort to build the Stanydale Temple. Uh, stones of this size, some of them weigh up to about 300 kilos, are not really found in the locality and they might have been transported quite a distance. The floor of the temple contains two large post holes, both of which contain charred spruce. Uh, spruce is a non-native species which is most likely driftwood and washed ashore here. In any case, the post holes each contained two upright timbers which were tied together to give enough strength to support the roof. Interestingly, the Stanydale Temple is built in a location which has no view of the sea, which is quite rare in Shetland. 
and whatever its function, this mysterious Stone Age monument is uh, our number five. In at the number four spot on our list is another broch, this time at Clickham Inn. Uh, the Clickham Inn broch is situated on a promontory into the Clickham Inn loch on the outskirts of Lairwick. The broch here also has outbuildings and evidence of earlier use of the site as well. Uh, the promontory is accessed via a causeway, which was made wider by draining the loch in the late 1800s. At the head of the causeway is an intriguing stone with human footprints carved into it, and it might have been related to the inauguration of kings in the Iron Age or the Pictish periods. The next feature we come to is a thick stone wall which surrounds the whole promontory, immediately inside which is a blockhouse, which is presumably to strengthen the defences at the entrance. The Brock Tower itself stands to an impressive height of around 10 metres or so, although it was largely rebuilt during the early 20th century, which included the addition of a couple of windows, which are not original Brock features. A number of the original features do remain though, with galleries, cells and the staircase within the walls all easily visible. And outside the Brock Tower there are earlier structures dating back to around 1000 BC. I've recorded a virtual tour of the Clickamin Broch and I've provided a link to it in the description and uh, that links to all of the other virtual tours that I've done as well. So if you're interested in that, have a look and you'll find everything you need. At number three, we have the fascinating multi-period site of Old Scatness. The site was excavated between 1995 and 2006 and is also focused on a Broch but has a far greater array of surrounding and later buildings and structures. The Broch dates from around 400 to 200 BC, which push, pushes the date of the Broch period back earlier than was previously thought. We know the site was in use prior to this though, as there are plough marks in the soil below the level of the Broch foundations. The Broch also has a triangular lintel, but it appears to be wholly decorative with little structural function, unlike the one at, at Culswick. Next in the sequence we have Iron Age roundhouses, which were initially aisled, uh, but we can track their evolution into the Pictish wheelhouses. Uh, in one of the wheelhouses here, uh, a Pictish carving of a bear was found, despite there being no evidence of uh, bears having been in Shetland at the time. The Pictish buildings were reused by the Vikings as they arrived, and although there are no longhouse remains, the site continued to be used throughout uh, the late Norse and into the post-medieval period although seemingly in a reduced capacity to what it was at before. Old Scatness is a fascinating site and a brilliant example of how uh, the sites, the building styles and their functions can all evolve and change over time. There are also full-scale reconstructions of three of the buildings on the site to give a greater appreciation and understanding of this evolution. We're staying with multi-period sites in the South Mainland for our second place, Jarlshof. Jarlshof was named by the author Sir Walter Scott in his novel The Pirate, and most of this astonishing site, with the exception of the Laird's House, lay buried and undiscovered until storms in the 1890s exposed parts of the site through erosion. Several excavations have revealed an astonishing array of remains dating from the 17th century Laird's House all the way back to the Stone Age. There are Neolithic buildings and shell middens, Bronze Age houses, and even a smithy dating to that period. Moving into the Iron Age, we have another broch, well, 
half a brock at least, the other half has eroded into the sea. And there are also remains of uh, roundhouses, and again we can see the evolution into that wheelhouse style. The Pictish wheelhouses stand to their full height, minus the roofs of course, um, and are really quite spectacular. Yaroslav is probably most famous for its Viking remains, however. There are several longhouses and other farm buildings here, dating from the Viking Age right through the Late Norse period. And finally we come to the Laird's House from the 1600s, and local legend has it that the upright stones in the courtyard are sailors' graves from a nearby shipwreck, although this remains unproven. Yaroslav is a truly incredible site where we can see literal layers of history before our very eyes. It's a true archaeological gem. And so here it is, the most must-see Shetland archaeological site, Musabroch. Situated on the island of Musa off the southern east coast of the Shetland mainland, the broch here is the best preserved example remaining in the world today. It stands to a height of 13 metres and has watched over Musa Sound for around 2,000 years, along with what seems to have been a partner broch at Burland on the mainland side of the water. Musa has all the expected broch features, double walls, cells within them, a staircase leading to upper galleries and where they once were, and from the top it's got fantastic views of the surrounding seas. Musabroch is mentioned in Norse sagas as a hideout for eloping lovers, uh, a Viking Romeo and Juliet as it were, and it's also home to Britain's most important colony of the rare storm petrel. A midnight trip here to see them during the summer months is highly recommended. And these features combined make Musa my number one must-see Shetland archaeological site. <laughs> So there we have it, that's 10 must-see Shetland archaeological sites. What do you think? If you have an opinion, let me know via social media. You can find us on Facebook just by searching Adventure Shetland, on Instagram at adventure.shetland, on Twitter at adventureshetl1 because that's a really weird system they have there, and if you search for us on YouTube, you'll also be able to find us and see video version of this podcast and a whole host of other videos that we have published there as well. You can get in touch with me directly by emailing john, that's j-o-n, at adventureshetland.com. And if you head over to the website adventureshetland.com, you can see more details on everything that Adventure Shetland does and provides. We also have an online shop for merchandise and virtual tours, and there's even a full-length anniversary film on there. You can find that at selfie.com, so that's S-E-L-L-F-Y dot com slash adventure dash Shetland. This podcast was made possible by the producers who support Adventure Shetland on Patreon. Um, if you want to join them, find your name in the credits like them, head over to patreon.com slash adventure underscore Shetland for all the details on how to do that. The list of our producers and all the links to everything that I've mentioned can be found down in the show notes. Just scroll to find those on your podcast player. I think that'll do it for today just about, so... I'm John from Adventure Shetland, and I will say cheerio and all the best for now, and I will talk to you soon for more Shetland adventures. Yeah.